Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. And we're thankful to have this opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to reach out on such a widespread basis through the radio waves and teach people God's Word, help people come to a better understanding of His Word, and help people thereby develop their faith and grow in their faith and ultimately make up their minds to come to God. We pray that as we study together more and more that your knowledge of God's Word is growing and thereby your faith is getting deeper and stronger. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So our prayer is that as your faith is developing and growing stronger and you're learning more and more of God's will through His Word, then we pray that you're coming to the point where you're going to make up your mind to come to him through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. Repenting of your sins, confessing your faith openly, and surrendering to your Lord in baptism for the remission of your sins. So that the blood that is shed on the cross at that point, as you're buried with him in the waters of baptism, will wash away all the guilt of all your sin for all time. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. And we encourage you to uh, think carefully and pray about this. And we are praying for you. We want to encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. And you can scroll down the homepage to our podcast button, click on that, sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It will always be free. And when you do that, you can you will automatically receive to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever one you choose, you'll receive these radio programs, search the scriptures every day, Monday through Friday, and then you can download them and listen to them at your convenience. I know a lot of people listen every day or just about every day, but a lot of people, because of their work schedules or other busy schedules, they cannot listen at exactly the times when these programs are broadcast on the radio. So by taking advantage of our podcasting, and again, it's always free, you can listen anytime you have the time to do so. You'll also receive, when you sign up for our podcasting, a great short, about a 13-minute Bible study every day, Monday through, well, Monday through Sunday, seven days a week, called Today's Bible Class. And you'll receive all of our sermons, plus a Sunday morning Bible class and a Wednesday night Bible class. And you'll have access on our website to hundreds of sermons. Many of them are now posted in video format as well as audio format. And you'll also be able to access hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles that you can download, read, and study through, and thereby grow in your faith. We really appreciate all of our listeners. We really do. And we're thankful in an extra special way for any new listeners. And if you're there and you're listening to us for the very first time, our prayer is that you will quickly come to realize that the name of our program, Search the Scriptures, is exactly what we do on this program. And we pray that you'll listen over and over and over again. And tell your friends. Now, we're in a series of studies talking about the existence of God, and we're speaking here, we're studying this, this particular understanding and belief from a logical perspective. Now, 
as I said earlier in this series, I said we would get along the way, we would get into some technical kinds of analysis. But I have not wanted to spend the entire study in that kind of direction. I've wanted to talk about how, from a logical perspective, it makes not only it makes sense to believe in God, but it's really compelling to believe in God. There's really no other way to look at it. God exists. Now, I know there are a lot of skeptics out there. There are a lot of people who are questioning. They're agnostics. They wonder, well, maybe there's something, but, you know, I'm just not sure. Well, okay. And I know there are a lot of outright atheists. Really, skeptics, agnostic, agnostics, and atheists, yeah, they pretty much fall into the same mold. But what I've been trying to do is reason from a logical point of view or perspective and help people see that there really is no other alternative logically and reasonably to believing in God. We talked about morality. Without a moral lawgiver, there is no morality. There's no way to explain it. There's no way to try to uh, incorporate it into our sociological or cultural mindset. There is no morality without a moral, without a moral lawgiver. And as we pointed out, the moral lawgiver cannot be any one human being or even any group of human beings because we're all over the place when we just are going by our own feelings. So there is no morality without a moral lawgiver, and that moral lawgiver has to be superior, has to be absolutely moral. That only can be God. We also talked about, and very, very much connected with the idea of morality, is goodness. How do you explain goodness without God? Without God, you're at a loss to explain goodness. Again, it cannot be on an individual basis because we're all over the place. Different people would have different feelings about what is good and what is bad, and their minds would change from time to time, almost with the wind. Well, you have to have a basic standard of goodness to really have goodness, for goodness to exist. And again, that standard has to be superior across the board so that everybody can recognize it, believe in it, have confidence in it. God gives us that standard of goodness, his will for our lives. Very important for us to understand that. So morality, goodness, and then we looked at the understanding, again, from logical observation and reasoning, we see design around us all over the place, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments, but, but design demands a designer. There has to be a designer behind intelligent design, and, and that's what we're going to be looking at next. So morality, goodness, and what about all of those Bible facts that bring out in ancient writings hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years before we finally figured them out scientifically, a whole host of, of facts that are scientific that we did not learn for thousands of years 
after they were written down by ancient writers. Now, how did those writers know what to write? There had to be a superior intelligence guiding them, and that's God. Now, design requires a designer. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 3 and verse 4, we read, For every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. Now, we would not suggest that a house could just kind of happen on its own. That would be not only illogical, it would be absolutely absurd. Even if you assembled all the different building materials, the wood, the mortar, the concrete, the bricks, the nails, even if you cut all of the different materials in the right dimensions, you had the studs down there, the two-by-fours, and they were the, the right dimensions across the board, thickness and the linear height and so on, and you, you made sure that the concrete was right there already ready to be poured in its proper place. You had the nails laid out all by the different uh, wooden elements that were going to require nails to hold them together. You had screws all laid out to screw into the sheetrock, into the studs. You had the shingles laid out in the right place, in the right order. All of that, all of that laid out in, in a reasonable and logical order of things, just how it's all going to go together, all of those different components that are going to go into the house, all of the electrical cables, all of the, the pipes for the plumbing, and all of the heating elements and cooling elements, and, and all of that. Would there be any way that all of that could come together on its own and form a house or any kind of a building or a structure? Absolutely not. It would be absolutely impossible. And to suggest that it could maybe possibly happen would again be absurd. It would be absurd. No way that that could happen. So every house is built by someone. And every house is built by someone who knows how to build a house. Or else, even that someone who puts all of those different elements together, if he doesn't know what he's doing, <laughs> he's going to end up building an accident. <laughs> Maybe a monstrosity. It's not going to work very well. My brother was a building contractor for many years in his life. He would first sit down and draw out the plan for whatever building he was going to build. And that would be drawing it out to the most infinite element, basically. He would know just the dimensions of the structure. He would know what had to go into it and where all of the different elements would have to fit together. He would know all of that ahead of time. And then he would calculate the cost of everything to bring all those elements together. And then to do the work, hiring enough men or men and women to put the structure together as builders. And he would have also an idea of how long it would take to do all of that. Now that's all part of the plan or the design that goes into building a house. Every house is built by someone. 
but he who built all things is God. I had a man tell me one time, he showed me a room that he built in his attic in his, in his house. He brought me up there, he showed it to me, he showed me how he had built that room and everything, and, and he was not a builder. And he said, I didn't have, I think what he said was, I didn't have plan one. Or maybe he said, I didn't have drawing one, but it would be the same thing, basically. And I didn't say anything. I didn't want to be insulting to him. I looked around at what he had put together. It was okay. But it looked like he did not have plan one <laughs> to start with. Okay, it was not put together by a skilled carpenter or a skilled builder who really knew how to plan down to the detail and then put all the details together in putting all of those elements in their proper places and building that room in that attic, that attic, that attic space. Well, it was okay. It was usable, but it certainly was not a professional job. But even what he did, at least he knew what had to go into the building, the, the, you know, the manufacturing, the designing of that room. He had, he, knew, he had to know what elements to use. So even though he wasn't a skilled builder, he still knew he had to have the certain components and he had to cut them to the right dimensions, had to put them together. He knew he had to have screws and nails or whatever he would use to hold the different components together. He knew that all had to be in his mind and, and, and in, the pl in his place. He couldn't just go out and buy something that looked good and bring it in there and then find out, well, that's not going to work. There still had to be a plan, a basic plan. Now, the fact that he was not a skilled builder showed in that he did not plan things out in infinite detail as a building contractor would, but he still had to have something of a plan. In the book of Luke, or the gospel account according to Luke, Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 28, we read this, and Jesus is speaking, for which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Well, that would be pretty wise, wouldn't it? You're going to build a tower, you're going to build a house, you're going to build a building, you're going to build some structure, even if it's a garage, or even if it's a shed out in your backyard. You've got to know, okay, what materials do I need to go into this? How much will those materials cost? Do I have the ability to do this myself? If I don't, where can I go to hire someone to help me with this or build it for me? There's cost involved. So Jesus asks the question, which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? I remember when I first moved down to the state of Louisiana to preach the gospel in southeast Louisiana, there was a pretty big house kind of out in the edge of the country. And I drove by that and I noticed that the basic structure was up, but there was a pretty significant portion of the house that was not finished. And I wondered about it. I asked a brother in the congregation who happened to be a building contractor, 
And I believe he told me something along the line that, yes, um, I think he said the fellow who owns that, he built that, and he either said he ran out of money or it looked like he ran out of money before he finished. And so it sat unfinished. Now, I drove by that for quite a number of years, as I remember, and it still sat unfinished. <laughs> well, again, what does Jesus say? Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? You have to plan ahead whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it be begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Well, again, you have to have a plan. It has to be a reasonable plan, and you have to figure out ahead of time, how much is this going to cost me? Do I have the ability to do this, or do I need to hire someone to do it? What are the components that need to go into it? Can this all work? But you have to figure that out according to the plan. Do I have the money to finance this, whatever it is? Nobody should go out and start something that is so significant as building a house and not know ahead of time if they have the finances to be able to buy all the materials and take care of whatever is needed, maybe hiring carpenters or plumbers or electricians or heating and air conditioning experts to do their work to make sure that all of this structure, this house that they're about to build can be finished and can be finished properly and, if, and, and efficiently. If you don't have the money, you don't start building. Jesus asked that logical question. Which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Now, let's drop down to verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus was simply using physical illustrations to teach a spiritual principle. Are you going to follow me? He's asking. You need to make up your minds what it's going to cost to follow me. Now, ultimately, there's no price that we can pay to become a Christian, to come to our Lord. But at the same time, it requires our full dedication of our total life to do so. So you might say, what does it cost to become a follower of Jesus, a true follower, a true Christian? Nothing. Jesus paid the price when he died on the cross. So it costs us nothing. We can't buy our way into heaven or into salvation. But at the same time, it costs everything because it requires absolute total commitment of our total lives and being. Everything we are and everything we have. Now, these are principles of preparation or planning that I'm simply looking at and going through by way of introduction to this particular part of our study on the existence of God, which is design requires a designer. The Apostle Paul wrote in Luke chapter, I'm sorry, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Now, a lot of people read verses 8 and 9 
where it says, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, and they stop there. The next verse is part of the immediate context. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Even in our design, physically, but even in our design as to what God has in mind for us spiritually to be his true follower, to be faithful to him, to live our lives according to his will and his teachings. He already had a plan for us. We are his workmanship. You look at a building, you look at a house, that obviously identifies workmanship on the part of the builder. We are God's workmanship. He created us with a plan, created us in Christ Jesus for good works. He created us as we become Christians coming into Christ through baptism for the remission of our sins, Romans 6 and verse 3, Acts 22 and verse 16, for good works, for good works. To do good works, the text goes on and says, which God prepared beforehand that we should, work it, that we should walk in them. Oh, yes, God has good works in mind for each one of us, to become a Christian, and then the works that he wants us to pursue as a Christian, the good works, the works that, that befit and identify us as being true Christians, dedicated and committed to God through Jesus Christ. We're not to be bench-sitting Christians. We're to be active, working Christians. God had a plan. Why do you think you have some of the abilities that you have, whatever they might be? Did you ever stop and think that God created you, designed you with those abilities so that you could serve him according to those abilities? I believe God has works for each one of us in mind or things that he wants each one of us to do in serving him. And it's up to us to put those abilities into practice as good, faithful, dedicated Christians before God. Well, we'll start looking at some specifics about God, the designer, next time. Let's pray. Father, help people to open their eyes to see your design in everything and help them to not just see it, but, Father, to be moved by it, to come to you for obedience and salvation through Jesus Christ. You are the designer of all around us. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.